I'm Natalie Siston. And I'm Joy Schwartz. We are the The Collective Voice. Voice. We are two college friends who will talk about issues that impact professionals at work and in life. Welcome to Episode 8 of The Collective Voice. This is Natalie to bring you the introduction for today's episode. The only way I can describe the interview you are about to hear is cornucopia. I know that's a bit of a random word for the middle of June, but this is quite honestly a bounty of great things. Joy and her guest interviewee, Shalette Stewart, cover a wide range of topics, including religion, mentoring, personal branding, book writing, and the overarching theme for this episode, which is a purpose-driven profession. A great big thank you to Shalette for an amazing interview. Now let's get to the episode. Today's topic for The Collective Voice is connecting your profession with your purpose. I am thrilled to have the opportunity to introduce our listeners to Dr. Kay Shalette Stewart, an author, speaker, and consultant with an impressive career trajectory and a unique message for our listeners that can set you up for success and significance in your career. Dr. Stewart and I became acquainted through the Southern Methodist University Executive Education Department, where she designs and develops programs with corporate partners interested in growing leadership capability in their organizations. We immediately hit it off and have continued to share ideas and resources with each other related to our respective life and career journeys. After learning more about Dr. Stewart's speaking circuit and book, I knew she would have a great story to tell our listeners. And thus, here we are. Plus, after reading the introduction to her book, I now know that she is an Ohio girl like us. Natalie and I both spent our early lives in Ohio, and Natalie still resides there. Dr. Stewart, Natalie and I always ask our guests to provide some additional background on themselves. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure, and first, thank you so much for the opportunity to share with your listeners, too, Joy. And feel free to call me Shalette as well, too. It's a delight to be here. I've been looking forward to this. So as you mentioned, I am indeed from Ohio, uh, born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. Not too far from me. That's right. That's right. So I still have a a younger brother who's there and a number of family members. So I enjoyed my time there. I currently, as uh, you mentioned, serve as the Associate Director of Business Development for SMU Cox Executive Education. So in my role, I work with a number of companies like Lockheed Martin and Sam's Club and GameStop and Six Flags, companies that are sending their leaders for more leadership training. So I work with their chief talent officers in designing the curriculum. I hire the faculty members to teach the classes, some of the classes I'll teach. I also spend a great deal of time traveling the world speaking on purpose-driven leadership topics. And a lot of the insights come from my book, Revelations in Business, Connecting Your Business Plan with God's Purpose and Plan for Your Life. So the book has received a couple of literary awards, and it's been endorsed by a number of business leaders, uh, such as Dan Cathy, who many of your listeners will recognize as the CEO and president and also chief operating officer of Chick-fil-A, too. So it provides uh, biblical principles, practical tools, and real-life examples on how to connect your profession with your purpose, which is our topic today. So I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And Natalie, who will be joining us on the front and the back end of our podcast, both of us are really excited to have you on the show, given your experiences and that topic in particular. So I know we're going to get into more detail on that in our questions. And I know having you on the show gives us an opportunity to appeal to a more diverse population as well. So we're, we're excited about that part Absolutely. of our interview too. So thank you for a little bit more insight into your background. What do you say we dive right into our interview? Sure. Sounds good. Okay. 
I mentioned uh, Shalette, Natalie, and I often like to you know start these podcasts off by talking about ourselves, and and also we love learning that you come from humble beginnings in Ohio, just like us. So I guess maybe we'll go back into your your past and, and knowing what I know about you and from your book. What gave you the courage to travel to attend college and kind of spread your wings and leave Ohio and, and attend UC Berkeley and, and start your journey from there? It was interesting, Joy. California was like a second home to me. Hmm. So we had a number of relatives in Southern California as well as Northern. And so I knew I was interested in touring some of the colleges there. So I toured Stanford and Berkeley and Loyola Marymount and the Claremont Colleges. But I was most impressed with Berkeley, the academics and also the city, the university just encompasses the entire city. So very rich intellectual environment in terms of learning. And that captivated me. That intrigued me. So I knew that was a strong fit for me. And so I applied and was fortunate enough to get accepted and decided to attend. Well, and Berkeley has a really interesting history, right? So uh, history rich with activism. Absolutely. And you came into that university with a rich uh, faith-based background. Absolutely. So how did, how did those two? So you yeah, imagine yeah. relocating from Dayton, Ohio, very conservative beginnings. I grew up in my uncle's church. He's been pastoring for 45 years. And then relocating to Berkeley, very liberal, very activist-oriented. And it was a joy. It opened oh, okay. up my eyes. Um, it made me more of a critical thinker. It made me more independent. And again, I had my family members there. I had a particularly a, an aunt and uncle who I was very close to. So it felt like home, but then it felt like a, a level of independence that I had not explored as well, too. But I learned so much. I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. Awesome. Yes. Well, I was I was curious. My husband and I were having the conversation because we joke sometimes that we're so far to the left that we might fall off. So I thought, okay, so how do those two connect? So I appreciate the the, the insight and the story there. Mm -hmm. And in a recent podcast, Natalie and I talked about mentoring and we talk about it a lot amongst ourselves. I'd love to hear more about the ways in which you personally have benefited from, from intentionally developing your network and mentors who have supported you along the way. So could you share a couple of anecdotes with me? Absolutely. You know, in terms of the topic of mentoring, I have found, just based on my professional and personal experience, that the, the most impactful mentor-mentee relationships are those that are cultivated naturally organically. I still speak to my mentor to this day. She's been my mentor for over 20 years. And the way that we met was very natural during my tenure at Bell South, which is now again AT&T. And so I had that experience, but I've also, and your listeners will relate to this, had the experience when companies will try to formalize a mentoring program internally. And their heart is in the right place. Um, it's a, sometimes a very thoughtful and productive initiative, but oftentimes those connections aren't as natural as the ones that you make in the corporate dining room or mm-hmm. in the boardroom or the ladies in, room. in the ladies room. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Natural, organic. And so I find that those are the most impactful ones. And I have not really intentionally sought mentors. They almost have come to me, and there's been just a natural relationship that's been built around that, too. I would encourage your listeners, oftentimes when we think of mentoring, we think of what that person can give to us in terms of insight and knowledge and wisdom. But I would encourage your your listeners, regardless of where they are in their career, 
to think of it as more of a mutually beneficial relationship where that mentee can offer insights to the mentor in a number of areas too, particularly as we look at the dynamics in our population, our, our society, with uh, managing across generations. And so oftentimes millennials will look to older mentors, but there are so many insights that a millennial can share with a traditional or a baby boomer that mm-hmm. will open up their eyes. So I would encourage your listeners to think of it as mutually beneficial relationships. Absolutely. And I guess to get a little bit more specific, sounds like you've had your mentor for quite some time. So what ha- what piece of advice or guidance that's kind of stayed with you from that mentor over time? The one that stands out, Joy, is this whole notion of being your authentic self. I remember early in my career asking her, do I really need to take golf lessons when I have no interest whatsoever in golfing? But some of my clients do. And I remember her very succinctly saying, be authentic, pursue your interests, and and connect with them on mutual interests. Don't try to force feed and put yourself in a position where you're not even enjoying it. It won't come off as being authentic because it won't be. That was the best advice because it freed me up to say, you know what? I can enjoy a play with them and and, and go to a Broadway show. I enjoy that. Some of my clients do as well, too. So make sure that you're being your authentic self. Well, look at Obama. He built a basketball court in the White House, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. And then on the flip side, so I like what you said about being able to offer something up to your mentor and not just kind of taking that insight. So what's something you've been able to share some advice or guidance you've imparted on your mentor that has been beneficial to him or her? Good question. Earlier on in my career, they were trying to hire more millennials into certain positions. And so their question to me, not just my my mentor, but also the leadership team members were, how can we engage them in a way that's meaningful to them? What was meaningful and impactful for you, Shalette? And how might we translate that in a way that resonates with others of your demographic too. So whether it's diversity and inclusion or even just from an an age demographic sector. And so I was able to impart some insights and share with them and encourage them in ways that they could be more strategic in targeting certain demographics too. So again, I encourage your listeners to think of what you can give that mentor as well. So you got to think of yourself as a spring chicken. Absolutely. And I still do, Joy. Hey, that's right. We're only as old as we feel. Some of us are old souls. My favorite expression was actually a professor at SMU who used to say when speaking with students that he was of a different vintage. Oh, I love that. A different vintage. I love that. Nice one for those who are wine drinkers, right? right? So I've had an opportunity to listen to a couple of your interviews recently, and you sound so smooth and (laughs) so put together. And I know personally, I've become a better speaker as a result of the work I've done on this podcast and being more cognizant of filler words and other things that I say that aren't really value added, right? So I've had a chance to listen to you and again, hear that authentic voice, and it really comes through and it it resonates with what you just shared a moment ago. So what advice would you have for our listeners who want to become better public speakers or to get more experience in this space? I would advise your listeners to practice. Like anything else, right? Absolutely. (laughs) I advise our seasoned executives, 
who are going through training at SMU to practice. I advise our undergrads, our MBA students. The more that you can practice, the more comfortable and confident you will become in terms of articulating your ideas in front of an audience. There's a wonderful organization called Toastmasters. And I was involved in Toastmasters early in my career, and it was the best experience. Look into Toastmasters in your local communities, too. Oftentimes, companies will actually have a chapter within the building of their headquarters, too. But it's an excellent organization for just really gaining more skills around public speaking and practicing the skills. But the best advice that I could share and encourage your listeners is to practice. It's a great point. And I've found that even recently in my own PowerPoint presentations, I've taken more time to document my speaking points and the notes of the slides and rehearse them. And I tell my husband, you don't even have to pay attention. Just sit there so that I can have an audience. (laughs) Right, exactly. A human. Yes, exactly. And sometimes my mom or my daughter, although she doesn't understand anything at two and a half, but you do what you can, right? And also videotaping and audio taping yourself too. Because you'd be surprised at the fill of words that you'll hear once you audio tape that you're not even cognizant of. Absolutely. And practicing in front of a mirror and videotaping. Now it's so easy. Everyone has a smartphone, so you can easily videotape yourself, too. So be brave and go ahead. It's not the most comfortable feeling, but it really helps, though. It does take bravery. (laughs) It does. You're absolutely right. And one other thing on a related note that takes some bravery is is marketing and and branding yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're someone who's started your own business, your own consulting firm, you've published your own book, you've had a long career in marketing and sales. And so I'm kind of curious about how you've applied your own marketing background and sales background in terms of marketing yourself. It's interesting. Um, I always share with people that I feel that during my 10 years in leadership roles with the Coca-Cola company, I attained a PhD in marketing and branding because that was in our blood. You know, the entire company, we were focused on that too. So it was such a wonderful learning experience. But I took so many of those insights and I applied them to my business and also to myself as a leader too. You mentioned that I'm an entrepreneur. So I have my uh, consultancy, Stuart Consulting, and our mission is strategic planning excellence. And so we work with companies and nonprofits to help them develop a strategic plan. And so I went from being a leader in corporate America and branding myself internally within the corporation to being a leader of my own consultancy and branding myself, rebranding myself as an entrepreneur to becoming a published author. And again, rebranding, repositioning myself as an author, a thought leader. And so there's strategies involved in that. And I I discussed them at length in the chapter on the divine marketing plan in my book when I introduced the concept joy of a platform. We always talk about branding, but my goal is for us to take business to a higher level of excellence. And so I pose the question, what is your platform? I call it the fifth P of marketing. We all know the four P's, price, product, place, and promotion. But the fifth P is your platform. And what I mean by that is at the end of the day, what is it that you stand for as a leader? Is it creativity? Is it fairness? Is it authenticity? Is it innovation? Is it humor? What is it that you stand for? What's your platform? So I encourage your listeners to think more deeply about this whole notion of branding because it should be authentic to who you are and what you stand for in terms of your philosophy and your beliefs. I absolutely love that. And I spend a lot of time working with clients and students and others talking about 
their pitch mm-hmm. and their written self-introduction and what is it that makes them unique. But what you're talking about is even taking that a few steps backward and relates to some of the groundwork I often ask them to do in terms of identifying their strengths and their values and their interests. And having that in the background allows you to focus more clearly in the foreground on what you can sell to a particular employer or a client or whoever it may be. Absolutely. The platform is the foundation for the pitch. So I love the work that you do, Joy, because you're helping uh, folks to articulate what they stand for, to articulate their passions and their interests. And so the notion of a platform is really being very intentional and very diligent around looking inwardly to find out at the end of the day, what do you stand for and what will your legacy be? And once you have a better understanding of that, your purpose, your calling, then being able to articulate that. And that's what you help folks do. Absolutely. That was a nice way to package that. (laughs) And I appreciate you spoiling some of the secret sauce of your book. Mm -hmm. But while we're on the topic of your book, I know that in your book, Revelations in Business, you discuss the importance of connecting your profession with your purpose. And you've done that on the speaking circuit as well. This is a topic that's of importance to our listeners, many of whom are working parents who feel very strongly about meaningful work that aligns with their values. And I'd love it if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about your personal connection to this topic and its origins and a snippet of advice or two that that we could share with them on the connection between the two. Sure. You know, when you think about it, Joy, our careers consume over half of our lives. If you think about that, over half of our lives. And so it's imperative that what we spend most of our waking hours doing for most of our lives is also spiritually edifying, that we have passion for it. And so for me, I I remember reading so many of the studies, and we've all heard them from SMU, from Harvard, from the Gallup polls, that consistently report that Americans are dissatisfied with their jobs in their careers. And so I find that unacceptable, especially in the Western world, and particularly in the United States, where we do spend so much time at work. And so I was at a point personally in my career where I was reading a book that really inspired me, and it was Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. And Mm -hmm. many of your listeners will relate to that. I love that book. It inspired me in so many ways. But after reading it, Joy, I was craving, what do these insights mean for those of us in the workplace? and in the marketplace. How do I know if I'm in my position by divine assignment or by default? My own fault and it's time to move on. Sure. Or how do I submit to a leader who I don't respect? So those are some of the practical, pragmatic challenges that I address in Revelations in Business. And so I was at a point, Joy, where I needed those insights. You know, there are all these books that, that really sh- uh, share with you how to, to develop a solid, comprehensive business plan and all these books about how to find your purpose, but very few books that intersect the two about connecting profession and purpose, career and calling. And so I was at a point in corporate America where I was working for a wonderful company on a fast track uh, program, but feeling uh, unfulfilled. And so I needed those insights. And so that really started me on my trajectory in terms of really looking more deeply into this whole notion of connecting profession and purpose and why it's so important. Yeah, and I guess to think about connecting it back to something actionable, for those who are just starting off on that journey of trying to ascertain whether their profession is connecting with their purpose or their values or or what's most important to them, 
what are a couple pieces of, of practical advice you might give someone? Yes. I share this in the book in Revelations of Business, and I also share it with my audiences when I'm speaking at a number of engagements. The first step is to begin from within. So look inwardly. That means pray, meditate, contemplate. Take the time to really be diligent about looking inwardly about your purpose, your calling, what's your passion, and then begin to pay attention to the clues. Some of the clues are your gifts. You know, we're all blessed with natural gifts and skill sets and talents. What is it that you do so well that you're always getting complimented on? That's your gift. What is it that you do so well that for others is very difficult or even daunting? If you can find a way to leverage that into a profession, into an entrepreneurial venture, into a nonprofit endeavor, that's the proverbial sweet spot. I often share the story of Steve Jobs. Another book is the biography of Steve Jobs. It's excellent by Walter Isaacson. And as a, a young boy, he was tinkering with electronics in his father's garage. So he wasn't pursuing becoming a billionaire. He was just pursuing his passion. But in the midst of that, he ended up changing the world, changing publishing, changing technology, changing the music industry, changing telecommunications too. So I would encourage your listeners to begin from within, also pay attention to their gifts, also their hobbies and their interests too. What is it that when they're immersed in, time just seems to fly by? Oftentimes, that's an indicator of your area of calling, your passion, your purpose. Absolutely. And I love what you said about the gift. And I feel like one of your gifts must be connecting with people. Mm-hmm. So in all these speaking engagements you've been involved in, many of which are international, what are the sorts of things that people come up to you afterward or in the comments or in emails following? What do they say about you or what do they take away from your speaking engagements that they find meaningful? They find meaningful and I find gratifying quite personally. Some of the comments are that, one, I've inspired them to make a change. And I love that joy because life is so short. And so I received an email from an executive at HP a few months ago. And uh, she said, as a result of hearing me speak about this whole topic, it was the same topic of connecting profession and purpose, she decided to resign and pursue her passion, which was to start a nonprofit. I love that because people are taking the time to really honor their calling and their passion. Again, life is too short. So a, a comment is always around somehow I've inspired them. And I always look at myself as the vessel. It's not about me. It's about God working through me to help others too. So it really is not about Shalette. Another is they want to know more about my testimony. How did I make the transition from leader in corporate America to author or from leader in corporate America to entrepreneur? What are the very practical, pragmatic steps that I put in place to make that happen? And I'm happy to share that because others shared their journey with me and that helped inspire me. Absolutely. Well, you brought up God and and to some extent God's plan. We have a really eclectic audience Mm -hmm. and many of our listeners may be from a non-religious audio or non-religious background or ascribe to a different religious background from yours. So what from your personal philosophy still applies to your big message? Everything. <laughs> because <laughs> Tell me at more. the end of the day, Joy, we're really discussing this whole notion of connecting profession and purpose, which equates to profession and passion. Everyone has a passion around something or someone regardless of their spiritual beliefs or their religious affiliations. So it's still profession and passion. 
And the, the dynamics around that are still the same. We're still human beings. We still have interests and innate skills and, and gifts and passions, too. So what I'm suggesting, suggesting is that we uh, make our passion our career, make it our profession, make it our entrepreneurial venture, make it our nonprofit endeavor, too. So it still applies. It's profession and passion. I believe it, that's the reason why I've been extended invitations to speak at religious organizations, major conferences and churches, Christian organizations, but also secular organizations. Um, I was in China a few months ago, and we understand the demographics there. And so I had the opportunity to serve as a keynote speaker at a business conference in China, and also at a university there and at a church. I've spoken at Texas Instruments, major corporation at the Coca-Cola Company, secular organization at Harvard Business School, secular organization. So there's a lot of interest around that topic, regardless of religious affiliation. I appreciate you sharing that and and giving us a little more context. It Mm -hmm. absolutely makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then conversely, given that we do attract listeners and we are in Dallas, we Mm -hmm. are in Texas, right? Mm -hmm. With strong religious convictions, what are some of the lessons that resonate most with your faith-based audiences that you typically address? I would say the predominant lesson, Joy, has been honoring your calling, honoring your walk, and really being intentional around purpose. And really honoring that in terms of not just believing that this is your purpose, but really walking it out in a very practical, pragmatic way. And so honoring who you are as an individual, your natural gifts and skill sets and talents, and sharing that with the world beyond just your family, beyond your bloodline, but really seeking to make a difference in the world. Love it. So I'm going to be a skeptic for just a moment, if you'll allow it. Absolutely. So you probably speak to people who... After you've had this opportunity to share the importance of connecting your profession with your passion, whatever that may be, Mm -hmm. some of them probably say things to you like, well, I can't afford to really do what I want to do. You know, I'm trying to feed a family of five. Or I live in this monstrous home in far north Dallas, and I need to stay employed at the bank where I work or insert any other lucrative role at the time. What advice do you offer those individuals or how do you help them mentally kind of make that shift? Sure. Um, I encourage them to first and foremost to have a plan because the reasons that you've just shared and the reasons that I hear are all very valid. Absolutely. We all have responsibility, responsibilities to our family, financial responsibilities. But I will share with your listeners that I actually decided to resign from corporate America to take a two-year sabbatical to focus full-time on writing revelations in business. It ultimately took eight years to complete the book, but I had a plan. And so I would encourage your, your listeners to have a plan. I started writing the book four years before I resigned to take that sabbatical. Wow. So I had an exit strategy. I started rearranging my portfolio. I started saving more in order to take that sabbatical. So I believe that we all have opportunities to develop a clear, concise, succinct plan and exit strategy to get to that next stage. But we have to be diligent in doing so. I love what you said about an exit strategy. And also, you didn't say it directly, but implicitly you implied that you need to be patient. Mm -hmm. And so it may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen within the year. But if you have a vision or a plan in place, you can work toward that. Right, right. And for me, it was being patient because I wanted 
ultimately to produce a quality product that will live on long after I'm gone. So for your listeners, it may be galvanizing the team to start a business or writing a song or starting a ministry or starting a nonprofit. Whatever that goal is, have a plan with solid goals and objectives too. For me, um, when I started writing the book four years before I resigned from corporate America to take the sabbatical, I could only write on the weekends. I was traveling from my job all week long. So the only time that I had to write uh, were on the weekends. And it was pure joy. It was intellectually stimulating. It was spiritually fulfilling, personally gratifying, like no other assignment. So even though you're being patient and you're going through the process, it can be a joy. So I want to encourage your listeners that it doesn't have to be arduous. Even when you're going through that process, it can be very gratifying. Well, and sometimes just knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel is enough to keep you going. Absolutely. And I love that you keep using my name to yeah, refer no, to it yeah, as it's a joy. a plug for you. Nice play <laughs> yeah, on right. words, right? <laughs> I love that. Shalette, <laughs> this has been so much fun. I would enjoyed it as well. Thank you, Joy, for Ab- having me. Absolutely. And I, as what we typically do is close with a few key points. And then what I'll do is ask you to share with our listeners where they can find you online and beyond. So a couple key points that I pulled from our conversation. One was to begin from within, to be diligent about understanding your purpose and your calling, to pay attention to the clues that are coming your way, those gifts and interests and hobbies, and be able to connect your purpose with your profession that way. And then knowing that you can connect to your purpose if you're intentional, planful, and patient. Absolutely. I agree with those three points, too. And if there are any of your listeners who are dealing with issues of fear, I would encourage them to step out. Do not allow fear to hold you back from your dreams. That sounds like a whole nother podcast we will have to do together. Absolutely. I think fear, (laughs) overcoming fear is a good, we can easily spend 30 minutes on that. Absolutely. Well, good. Well, why don't we go ahead and close by having you share with our listeners where they can find you? Yes. And again, thank you so much for all that you're doing. The collective voice is definitely life enhancing. So congratulations and thank you for having me. I would invite your listeners to log on to ShalettStewart.com. That's S-H-E-L-E-T-T-E-S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com for more information and also RevelationsInBusiness.com if you're interested in the book. The book Revelations in Business is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. Excellent. Thank you again, Shalette. Thank you, Joy. What an amazing discussion. I hope you are as inspired as I am, and I hope you had as much fun listening to that as Joy and Shalette did recording it. We plan to bring Shalette back in the future to talk specifically about publishing her book, so stay tuned for details on that episode in the future. In the meantime, be sure to check out Shalette's website, as well as Joy and my websites. Joy can be found at joyschwartz.com, that's J-O-Y-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com, and I can be found at smalltownleadership.com. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to check out future podcasts of The Collective Voice on iTunes. This is Natalie Siston, and this is Joy Schwartz with The The Collective Collective Voice. Voice.